Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Oh, what a to-do to die today at a minute or two till two. Rubber baby buggy bumper. Baby, baby, baby. Rubber baby, baby. Rubber baby buggy. Welcome to episode 20 of Scape Chats, a podcast where we discuss the sci-fi television show Farscape. This week, we're discussing two episodes, those being season two, episode 16, The Locket, and season two, episode 17, The Ugly Truth. First up is The Locket, which was written by Justin Monjo, directed by Ian Watson, and it aired August 25th, 2000 in the United States. We got another live episode, John. Yeah, we do. Still, we fit in the time for it, and boy howdy, was this an interesting pair of episodes. I like The Locket. I'm just going to say that from the get-go. You know, the <laughs> John's giving me sassy face. I thought The Locket was entertaining, and it was a cool Fire Escape episode, but it was kind of complex without reason. Mm-hmm. And it had a really interesting, like, metaphor for aging and life inside of it that just kind of got modeled in a lot of, like, tension and, like, oh, we need to hurt, like, you know, mechanics of sci-fi. And getting bogged down with the mechanics of this whole premise. Mm -hmm. This concept of one character ages separately from everybody else is a trope that I've seen done better and I've seen done much worse. Right. So this episode was fine. Could have been a lot stupider. Uh, And we've definitely seen Farscape episodes get pretty dumb with core sci-fi tropes like this. But this one was able to draw something more human out of it and almost make me forget about the arbitrary fiat that went into the whole plot and why it exists. And it's weird that they spend so much time within the episode on the mechanics of the of the mist of this episode because I the first thing I messaged you when I started watching this episode was that I I'm noticing a really cool trend in this show which is that it doesn't waste any time getting to where it wants to be every episode. Uh-huh. Like, it doesn't, it spends, like, maybe a couple seconds being like, here's where we are, here's what we're doing, let's go. Aaron's old. Aaron, you see old Aaron in this episode in, like, two minutes. They just find her. And then they kind of go back and explain how we got there, but they don't ever get bogged down with, like, and I've already used bogged down twice right now, but, like, they don't don't spend too much time setting anything up because they really want to tell this story. Other sci-fi shows, the teaser at the beginning would be, Aaron saying, I'm going to go check out this planet, blah, blah, blah. And then them losing communication with her is the cut to opening titles. And then they hem and haw for a while. And then the big moment before the first act break is Aaron's old. But instead, Farscape's like, no, let's do that at the beginning so that we have another whole act's worth of things that we can do. Which I appreciate as a viewer. But they don't... um, dilly-dally, so to speak. It gives them time to really flesh out the the character of old Aaron, who's lived this full life of 137 uh, cycles, approximately 100-something cycles. She's very old. She's lived a very full life, and one of the cool human elements of this thing that's happened to her is that she's lived a full life, and she sort of has reassessed her priorities. Like, Aaron is now a mother, a grandmother, in fact. And she had kids with a man who isn't revealed until later, but we all know who it probably was. Wait, 
No, we don't. Up. No, we don't know who she actually. But she, oh, it's the true love who is the the character that we guessed from the beginning in the locket. Yeah, but we don't know this man. Correct. Yeah. So let's just do a quick recap of the plot, super fast. So essentially, we open. Moya is in a stellar mist of some kind. There's a lot of like stellar events like mm-hmm. that in the show. I feel like this is our second or third mist. That we've seen. It's like a mist or it's like a cloud or a weird planet. It's mm-hmm. always like a thing. Because in like Crackers Don't Matter, there was a big mist. Mm-hmm. And I guess the flax wasn't a mist, but it was like a zone. There are a lot of zones. Yeah. Yeah. The weird, the magic zone, Space which is a very zone. Star Trek thing. Yeah. And this is a Star Trek Star Trek episode premise. <laughs> the, the Like, for sure, right? The episode of Star Trek, The Next Generation, that a lot of people consider their best, their favorite. Is like this. The, I think it's like The Guiding Light. Yeah, the one where uh, Picard it lives a full life on a planet. It's mm-hmm. the, it's this, but it's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so they're in this stellar mist, and they sent Aaron's son out to go investigate it in her prowler. She has not returned for a solar day, which is a day. <laughs> Um, Thank you. So they're starting to get worried. Then they get, they reach her on the comms and they find out, oh, she's an old, she's an old lady. She's aged, according to her, 165 cycles. That's what it was. Thank which you. is 165 years. Ah. In case you needed to know. Thanks, guys. The translation. So they're, they're confused by this, obviously. They think that it must be some trick or something. Uh. A clue that it isn't is when they find the prowler, it's overrun with vegetation. This plant that Zan gave her to deal with her headaches, which was a cool feature. Because that, for us as the audience, clears up right away that this is not. It's not localized to to Aaron or something. It's not like she was shot with an age beam or something. She actually did age this much. And then also, sorry, Zan scans her and says, yep, this is. She's yep, not she's temporary. Old. This is old. She's mm-hmm. very old now. And uh, the crew is insistent that they can do something about it, that they should keep her on board, and she just wants to get back to her granddaughter. She has a whole life on a planet below, and as much as she enjoys seeing her crewmates again, she's moved on over the course of 165 years. Cycles. So she wants to go back to the planet. Uh, eventually... She does. She paralyzes Chiana with some with a weird syringe to the syringe neck. thing, uh, which was kind of a. I thought that was a cool moment. What did she say? I don't remember what she said. She was like, "I'm sorry. Uh, I'm really sorry." She just kept saying, "Like, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm re- this is really bad. I'm sorry, but you'll be fine." But I had to do this. Something like <laughs> Chiana's that. Chiana's like, "What? What? What? What's the deal? Sleek a night now." Uh, so then, uh, Aaron makes her way back to the planet surface. It's this, like, dusty, uh, sandstormy place. It's Tatooine. Kind of, but sandstormy. There's a lot of tumult going on. Good word. <laughs> not really. <laughs> good word, not right, not the use of word, but good not word. Not smooth at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she goes down to the surface. John follows her, and he runs into Enix. I think that's her name. It starts with an E. I think it's Enix. Yeah, or something like that. And she's like, I'm her granddaughter. And he's like, I'm John Crichton. What? What? I've heard about you. Yeah. She talks about you all the time. Crazy grandma. We thought she was crazy. (laughs) We thought she was on her crazy pills. I think this was so well cast. 
You look at her and you immediately are like, she is not Aaron's son, but she's her granddaughter. Yeah. That is how that looks. Yeah. Uh, so then they talk about that for a while, and uh, it comes up that Aaron has been returning to this spot once every 55 cycles because it's, I don't, for some reason, it's a spot where the mist opens up. Yeah. I wasn't really clear on why that was. It's like a dead zone. Yeah. Basically. And so she tried every 55 years to call Moya. And wasn't successful until her third try. Mm -hmm. Uh, If the math, if you do the math there. Yes. Yes. Um, So she says, listen, John, this is going to close up. You're going to be stuck. Come back in however long, in an hour. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was was like four arms or something. Yeah. Arms. Arms. Hours. Hours. So he does come back. um, And then he gets stuck there as well. Right. Because the hole closes up. Yeah. Uh, and so then he is on this planet, this other planet that they've been living on, a colony on. I guess it's in the same system or something. Correct. That's never... It's still within the mist, but it's not the same actual planet. Yeah. So he goes to live there. He ages a whole lot. He becomes a uh, crotchety old southern man. <laughs> it's Yeah, because he has like a light southern accent normally. And that's just Ben, ben Browder. Yeah. But he gets older and he leans into it. He's yeah. like fully, howdy, y'all. Yeah, I'm here. I'm John Crichton. They're like, pretty, pretty. But he still pronounced. sees Scorpius, mm-hmm. which is interesting. But um, he is old. He's lived a whole life there. And we see their relationship sort of has developed. And they have this, like, it never is implied that they've like, Oh, we've gone together and we're like lovers now. It's like we're still just like good friends. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that a bit more Yeah. in a minute. Meanwhile, on Moya, Stark is back. Forgot to mention that. He's just there. His grand reintroduction is a cut to a mid shot of him being there. Yep. <laughs> He's back. Here he is. Here he is. Um, yeah, that's another – sorry. That's another example of him uh, – or of the writers being like, we need Stark in here for like a, a while, like a couple episodes, literally yeah, two so episodes. Yeah, so he's just serious. So, and he, I mean, he was on the ship. We never said that he left the ship. So we just have him in the wings. Uh, he wasn't on the ship this whole time. Was though. he not? No, he left. Oh, did he? Yeah, I don't remember when. I think there was a line at some point saying that he left. Uh, in the background info for this episode, they say that there's a scene written in that explained how he came back, but they cut it. Oh, that makes more sense then. Yeah, but okay. he's just... I mean, they still deemed it not necessary. Yeah, it takes so time. He's, he's not he's explained. Just he's just here. Uh, so Stark's back. He and Zan are pretty intimate with one another. Quite intimate. Yeah. And he has this idea that they're stuck in a spot where time and space have converged or combined, whatever, sci-fi... <laughs> Mumbo-jumbo. ...missed junk mm-hmm. uh he and zan have mind sex to prove that somehow i think what he says is because i really wanted to understand that yeah he says if we do the delvian what is it called delvian bonding ritual or whatever like the, their mind meld thing yeah we the, will see yeah. through we will see through time and space and we will be able to determine visually in our heads exactly what this the nature of this mist is okay sure so they determine that yes moya is stuck in a spot where time and space converge and they're they're not moving Basically, they are out of time. Um, so, because initially you think, sorry, I hit the thing. Um, you think that this episode is the kind of thing where like, oh, Aaron's stuck in a pocket spot where time goes quicker or whatever. That's what you would expect this to be in sci-fi terms. Yeah. 
Um, but no, that's not what's happening. Moya is in fact stuck out of time and Aaron was just in a spot in the universe that was progressing normally like everywhere else. So with this information, they aren't quite sure what they're going to do. Uh, it's around this time that John and Aaron hit the 55 year mark again and are able to communicate with Moya one more time. So they go back up to Moya, um, and the decision becomes, well, we can do one of two things. Either we can fly straight out of this mist. The whole universe is aged. So everyone we know will have aged and possibly died. Um, that was a cool part where she was like, Crace, Scorpius, all our villains. I thought she was going to say Maldus at one point. I was going to get really <laughs> mad. Uh, like all of them are going to be like super old. And I was like, right. I, for a minute, I thought that was going to be the nature of the show from now on. I was like, this is potentially awesome. <laughs> that would have been pretty weird. Um, I don't know if I, I couldn't have handled old man Crichton for that long. No, he was very fun in the 10 minute chunk that we saw him. Naturally. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's one option. And certain people are against that. Dario's against it because of his son. Everybody else kind of doesn't have much skin in the game, so I don't know why they cared. I, I mean, John, but he was old anyway. You're saying they, they don't have they don't care if they go forward or backwards, you mean? Well, because think of who else do these people have left uh, in the universe. Like, this is a show about – initially, we said that this was a show about going home, and that's the big sort of – those are the stakes, is how do these characters get home. So John obviously would want to get back to Earth, but he's aged 55 years anyway. So and He's formed a new home for himself on this yeah. planet. And also, he could still go back to Earth as an old guy. True. Because we already determined that all of his family and friends are going to be probably gone. Right? Cause, cause, or they don't know yet, because it's, a, it's like the dimension warp is going to mess with time. They have mentioned that at some point. Well, but, uh, like, even if, let's say you right now aged 55 years... Sure, your parents would be dead, but your a lot of your friends would probably just be old people. That's true. Oh, that'd be awesome, old man DK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So there's there's some stakes. I think the char- the only character who really has a huge stake in it is Dargo. I think that's what it seems like. Because Chiana, her brother's dead, mm-hmm. and that was her family. Zan had dealt with her plot mm-hmm. in Rats. She's got Stark Blue. now, so she's got a person. Yeah. <laughs> and Stark, uh... <laughs> so that's that's what's kind of cool about the decision and why I thought it, that it was really meaningful is you could totally see them doing either one. I mean, obviously this is a show where we know they're going to get out because the show can't just exist on this planet. Although that would be cool too. Mm-hmm. But like, they do totally have valid reasons for going and staying. Yeah. They... There's there's reasons both ways. And the other option, so the first option is they go through, they live on this planet that John and Aaron were living on. There's not much going on, but they can just kind of hang out. Uh, the other option is they go back boards. Floored in reverse. Yeah. And it that would send them back in time. They would bump into the hole and then fall out of the mist, and then that would rewind everything. Right. They don't explain it really well. Yeah, they don't care to. Which They don't need to. Yeah. If they tried, it's not like they would come up with a good, compelling scientific reason that that works. So that's okay. Um, but it is, it's the same, if you think about it, it's the same construction of an issue as um, through the looking glass, where it's like, well, 
the one where the, the chips split into different yes. colored chips, where it's like, well, we could go forward, or we could try going backwards. I was going to point that out. I feel like they really enjoy using the idea of Moya going backwards as, like, the MacGuffin of the episode, or, like, the day sex Yeah, you can out. accomplish anything if Moya just goes backwards. Um, so they decide, yeah, let's go backwards. Screw yeah. it. This is a crew that loves to just say, fuck it, let's do the crazy thing and see if it works. Because it usually does for them. So they hit it in reverse. And everybody starts going really, really slowly. Like, it seems like it's not going to work out. Yeah, Pilot can't even initiate Starburst because he's so slow. Uh, Aaron died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At some point there. That was really sad. Of old age. For like two seconds, that was sad. Yeah. Because they open the door and John comes in. They're like, hey, John and Aaron. And he's holding Aaron. He's like, I'm sorry, I did my best. She's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Except, yeah, but the dumb accent him has him go, she's dead. And you're like... Great, great work, guys. Yeah. But so the episode's the, almost over at this point, so yeah. let's just... So they're going backwards, they're going really, really slow, and Zan and Stark are like, oh, if, as long as we have mind sex and transmute our powers to John, he can press the button. And that's how they solve it. And that's how they do it. I like to think that's, that is almost an interesting... Trying not to use the word interesting as much. Uh, cool, uh, <laughs> cool is not better. <laughs> just don't use an adjective at all. That's a way to characterize Stark is that he always wants to mind meld with Zan. Like, he's, he just wants to have sex with Zan a lot. Yeah, that's like, his solution to everything. I guess that works out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so, yeah, it does. They see through everything. They tell old man John, like, oh, go ahead, press the button. And he does it. And they starburst back. And everything's fine. And I was telling you, like, man, they have mucked up this episode so much with all the old characters. They need to come up with something remotely clever. To, to rewind everything. It works. They it's did serviceable. It. Yeah. We went back in time. Yay. Ah, yay. But what's cool is they don't just go back in time and everything's fine. They go back in time right before Aaron leaves. Hmm. So then Zahn and Stark are like, wait, no, 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 don't go. And then there's like a good amount of debate about like whether or not they should. But there's like two minutes left in the episode. So you're like, this is, where is this arguing going to go? <laughs> Zan's like, I don't think we should go. And then Dargo's like, they should, abs- she should absolutely go. And you're like, She's not going to go. That's, that's the episode. Yeah. Come on, guys. And then the episode kind of falls apart in these last couple scenes just because yeah. they really – I felt like they really structured it awkwardly um, because the next scene is Zahn and Stark talk to each other and say, we should really tell Dargo what the stuff that we know yeah. that Stark has learned. Mm-hmm. And so they go to Dargo and they say, hey, man, we have this information. This is the reason that Stark is back. Yes. Stark has information that leads us to – that's a fun hat that I noticed we had here before. It was a witch's hat jammed in the doorway. Was it just now jammed in the doorway? No, no, no. It's been there the whole time. Oh, <laughs> what a creepy thing. Yeah. I love it. Uh, he, They say, like, yeah, we found out that your son, or a picture, we have a picture of this guy, who is probably your son, and we've heard his name is Joffy, is a slave on a weird merchant planet. And Dargo, being the brute that he is, doesn't take this well. <laughs> yeah. He gets really mad that Stark has been holding this information. Zahn says a lot of, like, we, he was waiting to make sure of everything. Like, had we told you earlier, this wouldn't have been a good idea. He says, all right, cool. And then that scene ends with him looking at the picture. And I was like, just end it there. That's a good, clean, yeah, hey, nice ending. Hey, this is what we need to know for the next episode. That's good suspense. Piece That's, like, good intro. directing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, one more scene. Mm-hmm. Which is like, okay, this is the scene where I feel like the some sort of higher-ups told the writers of the show, we really like ending episodes on Aaron and John. And their romance. We really like to just push that more and more. So the episode ends with the two of them being like, man, today was weird. I feel like we like had a, like something happened between us. And they're like, no, no, it was probably nothing. But like, what's this thing I have? And it's the titular locket 
which uh, Aaron had. And when they were old, she mentioned that she had a portrait of the one, the man she loved the most. Yeah, her one true love. And John's like, I bet it was me, wasn't it? She's like, I'm not telling you. Of course it was him. <laughs> oh, who else would it be? But they open it and well, then... Well, so then he looks at it when she's dead. Yes. Because she had said, no, it's not you. It's the guy that I had kids, kids with. Yeah. And lived with for years and years and years. He That's my true love. love. Uh, here, you can even look... Like, she plays chicken with him. Here, you can even look and you can see. Yeah. He's like, no, I don't want to look. I don't want to look. But, but then, he does when she dies. she's dead. And he goes, oh, it was me. Aw. And then I hear... She opens it and it falls to dust, or like the picture yeah, inside full of ashes. Or yeah, and then the two of them look wistfully into each other's eyes as the credits roll. Yeah, come on. All they had to do is swap those two scenes and cut the look at each other. And yeah, because that like the locket with the dust in it. It's such a nice image, and then it's like. Oh, let's just make sure that they got it. Let's make sure that the audience really gets what we're they doing. They love here. each other. Ooh, oh, they're going to get together. Stop. Don't. No, don't do that. Don't do that to me. Every show does that. That is a, like a serious mandate on like big television shows. Yeah. We need to push the attractive people romance. So that ends Which is episode. fine. Like, Aaron and John are great. And they, for the most part, have been handling this romance very well. And like like we've been talking about, I think... We started to have this conversation in the flax mm-hmm. where they just yeah they go like they're gonna it's very mature it's very they real. don't they're not wasting any time they're not jerking us around with this um, but this moment felt like they were a little bit uh, it felt I think it felt cynical is what it was um, I felt like they were backpedaling on a lot of really good character development almost. Yeah, not even backpedaling, just, like, it felt like they were talking down to us as an audience a little bit. Like, look, see? Yeah, get get it? it? Get it? Good job. Yeah. So, an entertaining, if kind of okay episode with a sour ending, but a good core. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the locket. Oh, it's the core, like the middle of the locket. Ah. 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 Kid. John, tell me all about the background information for the locket, please. Please? I will. Thank you. We should really vet these before we read them. <laughs> That's okay. I read them before. Okay. Um, Paul Goddard. Stark. Stark. There was, like I said, there's a, a scene explaining why he'd returned, uh, but it was cut. And the scene would have also established the romantic connection between Stark and Zan, but I don't think we needed that. We got it. Yeah. It was pretty clear. He walks up to her when she's praying in this episode, and she's naked. And he doesn't walk up behind her. He walks up in front of her, and then totally looks at her. I forgot to mention that. He's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like, oh, all right, good. You got boobs. That's good. Yeah, Check yeah. on. Great, great, great. Oh, it's dark. Claudia Black took her inspiration for old Aaron from yeah. Catherine Hepburn's uh, performance in On Golden Pond, mm-hmm. which I could see that. Um. This was the first time they used a technique called hot flesh to create the old age makeup. Uh, it looked, like a makeup technique? Yeah. It looked okay. And, I mean, it almost didn't look like Aaron in parts, which was kind of cool. Yeah. But it was it, clearly they, kind of, they kind of looked like alien creatures. Yeah. Which, whatever. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen old age makeup and been like, that looks like an older person. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen Benjamin Button. That was the one that a lot of people said was great. But I think that was CG, if I'm not mistaken. I like CG. Not. <laughs> if we're going to talk about great old old people makeup, that's the next episode. But more background info. Um, a Crichton aged about 50 was created 
using just makeup, but the scenes were cut from the final episode. I don't know what that means. So maybe they used... Oh, like not 800, but like at 50. Like he was a little bit older. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. That would have been too many scenes. Yeah. The outdoor scenes were filmed at Sydney's Centennial Park. Oh, nice. In Australia. Mm -hmm. It's a nice park. Yeah. The scene where Chiana gave Aaron the locket was scripted but never filmed. Oh, okay. Okay. So she filled that locket with the picture later? Yeah. It was, they, in dialogue, they said, like, oh, that locket was given to you by Chiana. Or, like, she stole that. She stole it. I thought she bought it from yeah, yeah yeah that's um the more important person giving you the thing is zan giving her the plant so it's good that they showed that yeah at the end of the episode they were like by the way zan gave me a plant for my headaches mm-hmm. goddard was aware that stark would be rejoining the crew for a period of time when the episode began filming of course like why would yeah. you know? what <laughs> I, I didn't know that was information <laughs> so many these are really oh, so many. yeah these, this is just not great background info there's a line where uh, John says, uh, I'm too old for this shit. And yeah. And they had him record an ADR version, I'm too old for this ship, but they kept shit. Yeah, I was gonna say, they <laughs> they don't swear on this show a lot. Yeah. Or they don't, you know, English well, swear on this show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was weird. And yeah. you, it's like a cable show, because it was on sci-fi. So, you get one of those a season, I think. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> that was, I mean, that was a pretty good use of one of it. Yeah. If that was the one. Um, so Claudia Black recalls this being kind of a tricky episode performance-wise um, because they didn't have a lot of time with the prosthetics beforehand, so she didn't have a lot of time to figure out how she was going to look or move before like preparing her performance. Um, but I think she pulled it off, and it, this just goes to show that Claudia Black is a fucking professional, obviously. She has range. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she she did a fine job with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they initially decided that Aaron was going to be, like, fat as an old lady, but then they <laughs> scrapped that. <laughs> um, so that kind of messed with her physicality as well. And then there's just a quote of Ben Browder being so happy that he could say whatever he wanted as an old man. <laughs> you <laughs> Ooh, got, I get to really lean into this. You gotta imagine that the Southern accent thing was another, like, Ben Browder choice. Yeah. Good for him. <laughs> I'm happy for you. That you I, had had fun. Fun. I had fun with it. Yeah, it was very fun. It's his little whole thing. Yeah, anything else to say on this episode? No, I mean, I think I'm just going to, you know how like we always think about, oh, this is the episode where X, it's the episode where Aaron and John get old. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember this It was one. a f- perfectly fine and very, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it was very caring and careful with the characters like nothing was done in this episode that was out of character or harmful to characters um i don't know that we got any development that was particularly valuable like the aaron john stuff was kind of just repeats of beats that we've seen before um and this time it was a little more ham-fisted uh the zan stark stuff that's good to know but it wasn't particularly compelling and then the dargo Jothi move has not fully started unraveling yet, so we can't say much about it. Um, so this episode caused no harm, but it also didn't really accomplish much. If anything, it just reminded me, it was another good example of like the economic way that they write scripts for the show. It's like, let's get right to the good stuff. Yeah. Exactly. No fluff, mm-hmm. which was happening even more so in the second episode, which we'll talk about. Right after this. 
Okay, fuck, pilot. Can you please explain to me why you had to take my editing equipment away? Unless we destroy them soon, the internal damage may be irreparable. Moya may die. Okay, well, that's not a good reason, but I guess whatever. Um, I guess I can, I, I suppose I can do a Moya bag without editing. Like, that's not impossible, right? Um, okay, well, let's give it a shot then, everyone. Hi, this is Alan, and we're doing the Moya bag for uh, episode 20 of Skip Chats. Um, so, yeah, we are going to read the comments, and I think that's what we do here, right? Yeah, and so, okay, cool. Um, we're in a weird position right now. Pilot is, like, not, he took my editing equipment away, and I just, I don't know how to do the show like this, but, like, we're going to figure it out together. It's Skip Chats. Let's do this. Um, so I got some, I got some tweets here. Um, which I printed because Pilot also thinks that um, smartphones are bad for the ship. It's this, I don't know. Uh, this is uh, another memo from fellow. Well, uh, <laughs> another memo from listener uh, old as your omens, uh, who says, uh, "I love the writer of this episode referring to Beware of Dog as much as." Uh, Nope. I love the writer of this episode because I think she loves Aaron's son as much as I do. It's fluffy and weird and I don't hate it, but it's a weird breather. Uh, Mama Aaron yelling at the Vork commands planet episodes when they do commerce. Oh, commerce planet. When they do commerce planet episodes later are boring. That's what they leave to fan fiction, which that's a good point. Uh, no universally good episodes of Farscape, which I really think is interesting. It's a shitty show up until now. Liars, guns and frowning money, though, turns it into a good show. And this is one of those episodes that's more disorganized than usual, where they literally don't get a script at all until the last day. The director has to go, okay, dudes, let's do a thing. Ben's go-to is watch Claudia and do whatever she's doing, and Claudia's is obviously watch Ben. This did not work here. In Meltdown, though, which I've mentioned before to Alan as a highlight in Possible Dark Horse, they do this, and it turns out fantastically. Always a pleasure. Um, they also wrote about Won't Get Fooled Again, and how it's the first AU episode referring to alternate universes. And the other main one being John Quixote, which is a look into Ben Browder's caffeinated psyche, and I love them both. And they also mentioned that the episode is gorgeous, Anthony Simcoe's comedic timing, wonderful, Harvey, Harvey, everything, best, adore it, fan service, nice. And next week, referring to this week, uh, fan fiction, the growing old alternate universe, complete with old age death, which are all wonderful things. Um, thank you to Old As Your Omens for sending in another memo. Um, I think that's the only tweet I had written on here. Um, oh god, I can't even edit out the ums. Pilot, come on! Ugh, what? And then I pull up like the Reddit comments, right? Oh fuck, what did we have? What did we have? What did we have this week? Well, we got top comment from Red Kurth, which says, I find that Won't Get Fooled Again makes Look at the Princess more interesting in retrospect. Every time I watch the trilogy now, I find myself wondering what Prince Claivor and the rest are going through when the Scarin is interrogating them. It's kind of a fascinating thought since you really had no idea what they were going through at that point, which I find really interesting, just like taking the one-off episodes of one from one time and, repla- and making sort of reframing those um, to be about another thing. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Editing makes me sound smart. <laughs> Blue Blaze Spear has a long comment um, break, talking about breakdown of Beware of Dog being really accurate. If you clip out the parts of Crichton seeing Scorpius, the episode is nothing but standard sci-fi fare. And they agree with me about the Chana Dargo, Chiana Dargo romance and how it never works for them. How they like the two characters, but it feels weird and contrived. Agreed. Thank you for being on my side. But I think they get I get what they were trying to do. I think they didn't want the only romance driving the show to be the one between the humans, which also a good point. Um, 
fictional show. I won't get fooled again. Decent episode, and you guys covered it well enough. No need to break it down. You mentioned that this, sh- that this show had. Uh, you mentioned that this showed how bad the villains are in Farscape, which is true. All this is terrible, and the Delvians from Rhapsody in Blue didn't even feel like a proper enemy. But to be fair, Crichton wasn't rattling off all his major enemies, just the ones who had proven that they had power to mess with his mind. But bigger than that, I don't know what Crace was. I don't know that Crace was that great of an enemy either. Just a raving lunatic who displayed his inability to find, capture, excuse me, and cure and kill Crichton. The character he becomes with talent turns out to be far more interesting. Scorpius compelling enemy, don't want to give too, too much away at this point, but a viewer can to it that he has larger imp- implications, machinations, in motion for Crichton, and as such he manages to be a menacing character, even though we hardly see him. Um, yeah, and Scorpius is great. And then the other comment in here was just someone asking for a list of all the episodes because the Simplecast uh, interface is not amazing. Um, but yeah, if you ever are looking to like go back and listen to episodes or recommend them to people, we have scapechats.simplecast.fm is like they're all listed right there like they just scroll downward and they all have download links um and the summaries and all the stuff or if you have any podcasting app you should be able to go back and listen to all the old episodes um excuse the ship noises moya is like weirdly loud uh today this engine has been humming i think that's part of why pilot took my editing equipment away which will probably be back next week one would hope um i can't keep doing this damn middle segment with no edits it's just it's not my way um I think that's all I had to say from comments. Thanks, everyone. I love these comments, though. If, if you really have any questions or comments that you want to say, just drop them in the Reddit thread. Reddit.com slash r slash Farscape. Twitter.com slash Escapechats. Escapechats at gmail.com. These are the places, people. These are places where you can send us nice things. Um, speaking of places where you can send us nice things, we have a Tumblr now. Sorry, let me put my notes away. Um, uh, old as Your Omens actually recommended... Oh, I forgot to do the song. Whatever. Um, they recommended that we start a Tumblr, which you can now find at scapechats.tumblr.com. Uh, I'll probably put some more time into that once I have a more stable summer schedule. But uh, for now, it's where we're going to post episodes and we're going to tag them all with the tags that people do on Tumblr, I guess. And then we're going to try and get the Tumblr fan base into the show as well. So recommend the show to your friends. I guess review it on iTunes and, uh, and Stitcher. That's the other one, if that's something you're into. And, uh, yeah, spread the word, because we're getting into the back half, the back end of season two, and I'd like us to get some listener boosts as we get into the really good stuff. John and I recorded the season two finale, finally, um, a couple days ago, in person. It's a very good episode, I think, uh, of Skate Chats and also of Farscape. Um, and we're gonna do the recap soon, hopefully very soon, and then season three, and it's gonna be great. Uh, I think that's everything. I don't even have... A computer to look at notes right now this is all we're doing it all analog today folks um except for these microphones i guess but uh yeah pilot you need i need my editing equipment this is bad um <laughs> sorry uh thank you for listening to the Moybag. enjoyed the discussion of let me see the ugly truth that's the one <laughs> bye-bye welcome back to scape chats we're talking another episode of Farscape. A very interesting episode. Oops, I said the word! What? Whoa! This episode in particular was Season 2, Episode 17, The Ugly Truth, which was written by Gabriel Stanton and Harry Worksman Jr., a combo that we have seen before. Yeah. And it was directed by Tony Tilsa, and it aired September 8th, 2000. John, this episode was rad. I kind of liked it. 
You told me that you th- well, before I watched it, you said it was a Rashomon episode that they did kind of sloppily. Or you uh, said they like didn't do it super well. I don't know that that's what I intended, if that's what I said. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's more that they yeah. they did a Rashomon that was very subtle about something that did not need to have a Rashomon done about it. You think so? I don't think that this event warranted that, and I kind of got bored of seeing this scene multiple times. Yeah, it's a weird premise to frame a whole, like, who saw everything? Because they're all in the same room, and, like, one thing happens. Like, it's actually a very simple scene if you really just, like, break it down. It's satisfying as a viewer to see the actors and the director have such a strong handle on the characters that they can do these subtle, slightly different readings or very different readings. Each take stage it differently. So people are standing in different arrangements um, and communicate. This is how this character interpreted this and how they view their themselves and their station in the crew. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's good stuff. Um, But as for the scene that was going on, I don't know. It just felt, kind of underwhelming and it didn't really warrant this kind of, because the reason I think is that it was an external party that was forcing them to rehash this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but none of the characters seemed particularly attached to the results of what happened. It's not like they killed somebody who was important to any of them. It was just that they blew up a ship of bad aliens and the bad aliens are mad. So now the bad aliens are forcing them to to go through this scene again and again. And that, to me, was not that compelling. And also, the ultimate takeaway, just to jump right to the end, is, oh, they turned off the weapons and Talon did it himself. But I kind of predicted that from the yeah. beginning. Um, so to go through all of this testimony and be kind of led to think, oh, Stark did it. Oh, Crace did it. Oh, Crichton did it. Whatever. Um, just to get to the conclusion that I kind of already knew and that they were already seeding for me in the beginning by saying that Talon is really violent now, that fell flat. Yeah. That they did all this work just to get to a conclusion that I kind of figured out early. Well, because also we know at this point, and we've had it repeated into us multiple times, that like the ships in this show have volition. They have their own, they can make their own decisions. So for them to be like, oh, it was the ship that did it. It's like, of course he he was the one who did it. He is yeah. like he has the most control over himself, if anything. Um, but I think what I liked about it was that a the way that they shifted all the performances was amazing. That's like really impressive. Mm-hmm. And also, we learned a lot about like what each character is willing to, um, like who they're willing to throw under the bus at a moment's notice. Because the thing we've talked about in the show a lot is how. It doesn't feel like everybody's best friends. Like they're yeah. not all they're like they feel like a family in the most realistic sense of the world the word. Like they fight a lot. They do care about each other, some of them, but some of them are like, no, that guy, if we killed him, I would be totally okay with it. If you like if we like shunted Stark into space, Dargo would be over the moon about that. Because of the whole uh Joffy stuff and and just general mistrust of new people, which he talks about later in this episode. So it actually provides a lot of character development, like in a perfect scenario, if everybody on this show liked each other, this episode would have been done in five minutes. Everyone would have told the truth, like Aaron said, and the aliens would have been like, all right, it was nobody's fault. Sorry. 
but nobody told the exact truth. Partly because they're not all great at remember, remembering things, and partly because they all, some of them had agendas. But but also I find it... Uh, but that being said, even though people have agendas, I don't think that in the moment of confessing, any of them lied to serve their agendas. I think for the most part, they were faithfully representing what they saw. And what they saw was steered by their agendas. Okay. Sure. Um, also, though, what would have been accomplished if they all had said, it's nobody's fault? I don't think the aliens would have been content. They weren't content with that explanation. So I don't know what they expected to gain, the crew expected to gain from that. Well, I think these are the conversations that the writers had to have. Because if you're going to say... We've set this episode up so that someone is going to have to take the blame for this incident because yeah. that's mm-hmm. how justice works. Um, if they found out that Talon did it, what are they going to do? They're going to kill Talon? But he's gone. Exactly. That's my thing. So then they're like, okay, we need someone so that it has to be a noble sacrifice because they can't fairly imprison anyone. There's nobody on the crew alive to fairly imprison because it was Talon. So then that's that's the reason that we have the, the sacrifice at the end. Because like, well, we kind of wrote ourselves into a corner, mm-hmm. and we can really easily get a, get rid of this character who's starting to feel like dead weight. Right. So that's the other problem I had with this episode is that the the um, the stakes here are one of you's going to get executed, mm-hmm. which is not believable stakes. I, I I know that this is cheesy to use the sort of meta narrative argument of you're not going to kill one of the main characters right now, but you're not. You're not going to kill one of the main characters over this issue that just sprung up this episode that's totally arbitrary, that has to do with these characters we've never met and we're never going to see again. That's not how this show constructs death. This is a show that I could see killing a main character under different circumstances. Sure. Easily. Because it's a show that doesn't shy away from big plot moments like that. But I did not realistically anticipate that Aaron was going to get killed, or John, or Zan, or Dargo. And then they have to cram in right before the end, Stark being like, oh, wait a minute, is it like a dissolve thing? Oh, I could come back from a dissolve thing. Maybe, probably. Yeah, I don't know, it could happen. So then that also kind of, like, takes all the stakes away from his death, too. Which already didn't have a lot to it because he had left a while ago. We didn't care. He's and been back for one episode. He's been back for an ant episode for the purpose of telling Dargo something. And he told Dargo that thing. So now he's just here. Exactly. And he could die. He's great. I like Stark yeah, fine. He's cool. But we haven't had the time to form an emotional connection with him or to care about him more than the other characters. So, yeah, I don't know. That's my issue with this episode is that it, it just doesn't, it isn't built in a way where I have feel like I have anything to hold on to. And it's a it's a great exercise for the actors and for the director, I'm sure. I'm sure they learned a lot about their characters doing this episode. And they had a lot of fun, like, you know, being like, okay, I would do this line this way in this person's memory, but this line this way in this other person's memory. That, as a performer, must have been really fun. But as an audience member, I keep asking, so what? What it, there's not really a so what to this episode in my mind. I still enjoyed it because I think that it made me feel good. Like it's just an episode that's like kind of entertaining to watch everyone do that. 
But like you said, from a narrative standpoint, it is convenient. It's too convenient. Mm -hmm. We need to get rid of Stark because we have plans for him way later, maybe, or we just need to like excise him for now in a, in a clean and like fair way where nobody feels bad. This is the closest, this is the easiest way for us to do a one-off. Because what you were saying when I texted you about my whole thing about how, like, Farscape doesn't waste any time setting things up, you were saying that's a really good thing for when you want to rewatch episodes, because you never have to, like, watch it previously on, or be like, okay, where are we? Who is everyone? Yeah. Things just happen. Mm -hmm. And, like, that is evident from the moment this episode starts, because this episode starts with no theme song, Grace is yelling, and the scene that is being retold has already started. Mm. We were just dropped in... At the in the mid right a bit right right away, and Grace is yelling at Aaron about, you know, this is my way of getting us to get into the plot because I yeah, had questions about it. it. But like, Grace is yelling at Aaron about something. She comes onto the ship onto Talon, and he says, you know, I need your help because we need to sedate Talon so that we can take his like super death ray off, and we're going to replace it with a dampening net that we're going to purchase from these aliens called the Plocavians. Oh, look at you. Yes. And uh, they're coming soon, and he won't listen to me. Or, like, you know, I am I have to do other stuff, so, like, he has to... You have to sedate him so that he can switch weapons. She says that's a bad idea. And then the whole thing is just an argument between, like, everybody on the crew. Like, Crichton gets on the ship, Dark gets on it, Stark, Zahn, and Aaron are all on Talon, and they're like, we should or shouldn't take it off. We don't believe, uh, we might not believe Craze because these guys, we find out later, are like weapons dealers that sell like super crazy legal weapons like this nerve gas. And Stark doesn't like them because they imprisoned him or they like hurt they him. They like killed a lot of his homeworld yeah, people. Yeah, that's what it was. Or something. Yeah. So that's his stakes. And Zan just doesn't know how to process the whole thing. She's just like, I'm trying to figure everything out. And Dargo wants to snap Craze's neck because that would be easy. And because Dargo works best when he's angry. And John, I really love the way that they use John in, the, in these scenes. Because the background information points this out. They don't use John to be an agent of change. They use him as a sidekick for everyone. In everyone's story, John is the guy who agrees with them. Yeah. So that's kind of, I like to think that that's how everyone sees John. Is like, he's the guy who says yes when I talk. Yeah. So when Dargo's like, we should snap his neck, he's like, yeah, we should snap his neck. And then when, when Aaron's like, no, we should replace the thing. And he's like, yeah, we should. That's a good idea, Aaron. <laughs> like, and John's useless in this episode. And I love this show's commitment to being like, our protagonist is not the most important guy. Like, whatever. Yeah, he's true. He's just someone else that's on the in the group. And so the first time it happens, uh, a, one of Talon's weapons fires off right as the Plokavian ship is coming by. And he blows it up. And it's kind of like, oh, God, that's an act of, of violence. Like, they're going to come after us. This is real bad. As the crew, he, Kray says, you know, I took off my, my control of Talon. I muted him or like, so he, I can't control him. You guys are good. That's what he says at the beginning. Yeah. But he goes, no, I'm just, I've lied to you. I have a second one. Puts it in, points Talon's turrets at them and says, you guys need to leave immediately. This is the thing that happens throughout the whole, this is the scene. That is the whole episode. Uh -huh. They leave. As they're leaving, they get captured. Also, that's a f another fun thing that changes with each retelling. Each person makes themselves the person who notices that he has the, a second thing. Yep. <laughs> like, oh, he's got a second one. I'm the clever one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little bit of just like everyone's a little self-centered. We like to think that we are the heroes of our own story. And so they leave, they get captured by the Plokavians, and then they're all taken to a really cool set. Like one of the cooler sets from this show that's that I've true, seen. yeah. The first place, like the holding block, is this like elevated platform that's like kind of 
circular, like it's or like it's spherical, and they're on top of it, so they can like kind of slide off. And the whole bottom is like nebulous blackness. And there's a cool bit of background info about that, like what that set was. Mm-hmm. And whenever they're called in, they go to they go into the middle and they get descended into like a prison thing, like a cage, yeah, into a cage, and then they're put into like a weird, d- scary dentist chair in like pitch black darkness, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, it's like kind of moist on the floor, and there's like really great lighting in that in those scenes. And they have their feet up, and they're kind of... It's kind of like the... What's the movie that... Is it safe? Oh, uh... uh it's not The Pianist. I think it's called The Pianist. <laughs> that one. Um, um, Running Man. Yes. Yes. No, 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 not no, Running no. Man. No, it's like that. Marathon Man. Mar- Marathon Man. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Not the Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> combat movie, Running Man. Although that one's great, too. Um, yeah, it's kind of Marathon Man, where these two uh, Polkavians, kind of good cop, bad cop, are like... Yeah. Hey, tell us everything from your perspective. And they are who I was talking about last episode when I said there was some great old people makeup. Because <laughs> their whole thing is they just look melted. Mm-hmm. Which is like, the more they show close-up shots, the more kind of weird it looked. Yeah, they it, look like they just finished boiling. Yeah, or they had just seen the Ark of the Covenant for like a second. And they're like, oh, mm, I'm not done melting. Yep, <laughs> let me seal that up real quick. Yeah. And yeah, so that's kind of the whole episode is... They're asking, like, oh, who who saw the the weapons button? Did somebody press it? How did everybody react to this and this and this? And first up is Aaron. She tells, like, the straight... She kind of tells, like, a fairly reasonable, believable story. Yeah. And then she comes back up, and they go, okay, next up is Zahn. But the gang doesn't notice that Zahn's going down. So Aaron's trying to be like, okay, here's our plan. We're all going to tell the truth. Here's what I said. As she says that, Zahn gets taken in. So Zahn's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I'm bad at telling the truth. I don't know, like, uh, and I have a bad memory. So she tells, like, a skewed version of it. Mm-hmm. So they kind of like, descend into progressively more skewed and stories. And she seems very nervous. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So you're like, she could be lying about everything. This is, and then you're, like, doubting how the scene even played out correctly. Mm-hmm. And then next up is Stark. Stark. Who uh, immediately is like, yeah, they were going to kill us. I saw the button. I stopped it. Or something, or like I, I, or I blew. He blames Crace. Yeah. Oh yeah. Doesn't he not like Crace? Also, is that what it was? Does he have a reason not to like Crace? I think because he, he doesn't like peacekeepers or something. I think he just doesn't see the point in protecting Crace for any reason. So he, he says, "Let's he just sees Crace as somebody easy to pin it on, expendable." Yeah. So he says, "Yeah, I was Crace. He he did it. He blew them up. Easy." Yeah. He's the first person who has a clear agenda, and then is Dargo, who uh, is like, "Yeah, Stark did it." Uh-huh. Stark saw it. He hates the Plokavians. He did it. Bad guy. You should get rid of Stark. And they're like, uh-oh. And Stark, I love that part where Stark's like, wait a minute. I'm going to die. I'm going to be executed because he's me. He doesn't like me. That's not fair at all. And so then they start talking about, like, what happens when you get executed. And he says the whole, like, oh, if it's dampening, like, maybe I can be fine. Or what is it called? Dissolving. I might be able to survive that because I'm made of energy with my weird skull half face, man in the iron mask. And then last up is John, who's like, all right, fellas, like puts his feet up like real casually in the torch in the, the interrogation room. He's like, here's how it happened. Here's how I know everything happened. A lot of people don't like each other. You guys got to listen to me. Everything went like this. And he kind of, but like, what does he say? Because he still doesn't get it right. I think he just suggests that like nobody did, nobody did it. He says that um, he disabled the console before Stark hit the button. Mm-hmm. So Stark did go to do it, and Dargo saw him do that, but he had disabled it so that that couldn't have been what 
It was. Oh, yeah. That's what you're right. And then they're like, okay, guys. Oh, wait. Before we can move on, uh, my favorite thing about Crichton's interpretation is that nobody knows how to pronounce Bulkavians. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, oh, the Plecovox Plec- or something. Plecovoids. And they, yeah, and they all say it with confidence. They're like, oh, we're going to be attacked by Plecovoids. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, that's how it happened. That's the real story. Plecovians are like, we have determined that Stark is the bad one. He's going to be killed. And they're like, oh, no, what are we going to do? And Stark's like, I can, I'll take the fall for this. This is like, like I, I don't have much stake in the game. Someone has to take it. The talent has left at this point. Mm-hmm. Moya has left at this point. The B plot, the B plot in this episode is worthless. It's Chiana and Rigel are like rummaging through people's stuff. Is that also in this episode? Or is that in the first yeah, one? It's in the first one. I don't remember what they do in this. They one. definitely do something in this episode that's worthless. And then Stark's like, okay, I'll try. Maybe I'll be able to survive this because I'm made of energy. So he gets dissolved, which is a really cool effect. He, like, gets put into the, the the cage thing, and then just, like, zoom, like, light pops out, and he just, like, fades sideways into light. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, Stark's dead. Probably. Maybe. But he there's some implications in this episode that his being is part energy, so maybe that's not such a bad Maybe thing. he's just around. And, yeah, maybe it's just a different form for him to take. Yeah. Do you think he's going to come back in some form? Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Why would they suggest that if he wasn't going to do it? Yeah. So we find out back on Moya that what really happened was, like we said earlier, John disabled the control panel. Yep. Stark tried to press the button, didn't. Talon fired of his own, own accord because Talon scanned the ship and was like, hey, Moya, what's on that ship? And Moya was like, well, son. Deadly nerve gas. That's deadly nerve gas. We're not allowed to transport it. And then Talon's like, oh, all right. Thanks, Mom. Pew, pew, pew. Kaboom. So Moya felt bad. Yeah, there was a lot of death. Oh, that's what they did. Uh, Moya left them to go look for talent. Yes. that's That was what the whole B-plot was. was like, yeah. we can't wait much longer. Uh, we're going to go. And then Chiana was like, what are you What are you doing? Like, come on. <laughs> Everyone we know is here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Let's just go back. <laughs> that keeps happening on this show where Moya's like, I got to go, guys. Yeah. Moya's always in a hurry. I guess because she has a spaceship. She has to... That's her job is to go places. Yeah, so... Fun touches in each one. I enjoyed when we got to, I think one of my favorite moments was when we got to Dargo's and in everybody else's stories thus far, Dargo was like standing in the back yeah. and being like, oh, crazy, you, bro, you suck. But in Dargo's, he's like in the front yeah. in this formation. Like action club. pose in front of everyone. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, John does, he's in different spots depending on who's telling the story. Yeah. It's true. Because for Dargo's, he like comes up and stands next to him. He's like, yeah. 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 He's always there to agree with people. Mm-hmm. Did we say that in the episode, or was that in the middle? Mm-hmm. Did I did I say that in? You said that yeah. in the episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> we do in between things real briefly, and I was forgetting if I had said that earlier. No, you yeah. said it. Crane's great in all in all of the clips. So it overall, I thought it was well executed. I don't want to make it sound like I thought it was poor. Stark was well executed. Ah. Ah. I just executed Alan also. So. <laughs> I thought it was crafted quite well, but at its core, it's an episode that doesn't isn't built in such a way that I feel that it needs to exist. At least the locket, it doesn't accomplish much, but you can see at its center, it's telling a story that's trying to drive at something about John and Aaron. That there's a long-lived bond between them that can last over this many years. And it's not necessarily purely sexual or rom- or whatever. It's partly platonic, partly romantic. It's pure. There's something 
to it. Um, and even though we've kind of known that for a while and the episode doesn't really astound us with that revelation, at least it's saying something. This episode, it's not really saying anything to me, at least, that is warranting this sort of grandiose structuring of an episode. Like, I think this show could have done a Rashomon. That is what is really bugging me, is that this show could have done a Rashomon in a different scenario that would have been fascinating. Would have been really, really cool. And instead they just kind of do it on an episode where they're in Talon, and that's what we see multiple times. So, like, imagine if Scorpius had been the interrogator for a Rashomon-type setup. That would have been cool. John resurrected me from the dead. Thank you. I was not allowed to talk. Uh, yes, I agree with everything yeah, you said. I was just talking to a corpse, yes. which is my ideal uh, podcast setup, because <laughs> then I can just say whatever I want. <laughs> I let you say whatever you want. Mostly. I know. I'm just joking. I just want to go. <laughs> I just want everything. John, can you read me some background information about this episode? I can. Here we go. Uh, did you know this episode was inspired by the Japanese film Rashomon? Uh-huh. <laughs> I got brain fluid seeping out of my mouth there for a second. Whoops, um, let me catch that. Yeah. So... The actors kind of marked up their scripts um, to determine how they would be saying each line depending yeah, on who's narrating. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I think somewhere in here it says that they worked out a system of like, oh, I say it like this and this one. They had like three different Yeah, ways. and they would write at the top of each script like, you're doing this line, you're doing this character's perspective. Here's the general way you should be reading it. And yeah. they figured it out. From there. So, like, Stark, for example, in the first couple stories, he's cool and calm and collected. And then yeah. in Dargos, he's, like, crazy. Yeah, he's like, guys, we let it go! Ah! Yeah. Yeah. According to... This is a weird piece of background info. Okay. According to Claudia Black, the production was not helped by the fact that most of the cast and crew had seen Galaxy Quest the weekend before shooting began. I don't know what that means by not helped. I haven't seen Galaxy Quest. It's like, I l- looked it up. Because I had always thought I know about Quest it. was a movie that was bad. No. But apparently it's like a cult. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard good things about it because Alan Rickman's in it. Yeah, I think I'm mixing it up with something else. Battlefield Earth, maybe? No, I don't remember. Starship uh, Troopers? The remake of um, Danger, Will Robinson. Oh, 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 oh. The Family Robinson. Not the Family Robinson. Uh, 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 Lost, Lost in Space. Space. Lost in I Space. think I mixed it up with the remake of Lost in Space. There was a remake Which, of Lost in Space. Yeah, it wasn't there with uh, Joey Tribbiani. What are you uh, saying? What's a st- yeah. I love Lost in Space. Or maybe maybe Matt LeBlanc is in Galaxy Quest. I'm getting it mixed up. Whatever. I don't remember. Basically, the vague notion I had was that it was bad. But it's not. Galaxy uh-huh. Quest is a movie about a cast of a sci-fi show that helps repel a alien invasion or something. Okay. I guess that so, also did just come out right around because I was 98. Yeah. Right so around I, I'm not sure why... Holly Black says, says that production not wasn't kidding, helped by that, but that's what the info says. Weird. Yeah. Um, oh, Matt LeBlanc was in the Lost in Space remake. Yeah, okay. I got that figured out. In the interrogation scenes, the cast really was above a tank of water. That's the thing I was talking about. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's nice. The Plocavian makeup was inspired by creation scene in The Incredible Melting Man. Mm-hmm. It's an old, like... I can believe it. This show is inspired a lot by old sci-fi, which mm-hmm. is kind of rad. I'm not even going to oh, try me- to... Music video parse. inspirations. Yeah, what that means. Oh, uh, yeah, this is a fun one. Many of the images for the season three title sequence were derived from setups for this episode. There's a lot of, like, close-up, I'm yelling as a character, or, uh, like, we're groups. That's what I'm guessing. This okay. is probably a lot we're getting of there. good material to mm-hmm. draw on there. Tils remembers that there was a big discussion about 
the backstory of what was going on. So a lot of talk about character motivations. Yeah. So like I said, it seems like as an exercise, as performers and as a director, they really were able to dig into their characters and explore them from different angles. Uh, and you see that manifested in this episode, but on top of what is my thing. And then, let's see, chances for subtle performance moments to see how the characters view each other, which is valuable. Mm-hmm. So, that's the ugly truth. Do you have any other thoughts on it? No, this is not an episode I'm going to rewatch, probably. Because, like you said, nothing kind of comes out of it. Mm-hmm. Load is pretty entertaining. Um, I'm just so ready to get through season two. Yeah. We're almost there. We're about to... We're almost almost there. Yeah. We're about to start the big the big final moments here. So, speaking of the big final moments, Magellan, my friend and partner, who I'm, va- who I'm vamping for so that he can look it up, uh, could you do me the huge favor of just looking up the next episodes on Netflix? Because I would love to know what is the one or two sentence summary oh, no. of each of the episodes that we're going to be watching this upcoming episode of Scape Chats, which is a podcast about Farscape. And I believe we're watching three episodes. And if you could tell me what they're called and what Netflix says about them, that'd be really valuable. We're watching two episodes. We're watching, oh, we're still watching two? And then three after that. Okay, so next week we're watching two episodes, fam. Yep. Groupies. What do we call our fans? Uh, Scapies, Scapies. Now that's that's what you call Farscape fans, is it? Probably, that, but that doesn't apply to us specifically. We call them scuppies. Scuppies. Oh, our tiny little adorable orange scuppies yeah. swimming around in the nebulous fish water of space. Yep. Great. Great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So the next episode we're watching is called A Clockwork Nabari. Great name. Episode 18 of season two. Aaron and Rigel bring onto Moya two Nabari survivors of a peacekeeper attack. The Nabari mind cleanse the crew, and only Crichton is unaffected. I don't like episodes that focus only on John. <laughs> yeah. But what's the Nabari? Do we know what those are? Chiana. Ooh, blue people. Yeah. I like that. I like that. And then... Well, it's... I, don't, I can't see the full title here. That's a problem. Oh, yeah. Because I know it has a subtitle. We're watching part one of a three-parter. I, we are. Uh, it's Liars, Guns, and Money, part one. Season two, episode 19. Stark Returns. So... Oh, that was fast. <laughs> He's back. Stark returns with a plan to buy slaves, including Dargo's son, Jothi. He proposes that the crew rob a shadow depository run by Natira. Uh, it's hard. It doesn't tell you which one's part one. This is nine, episode 19 or 18. Oh, no, this is... 19. Yeah. It's Liars, Guns, and Money, a not-so-simple plan. Mm. I hope that they do the whole soundtrack for this episode. <laughs> Just like this new... What's the new Scooby-Doo? So a not-so-simple plan is the second episode we're watching next week. Great. That's actually, that sounds like a really fun one. But that's part one of three, so you're going to have to probably end with a weird cliffhanger and then be held on the edge of your seat until two weeks from now. Thank you, dear Scuppy, for listening to Scape Chats episode 20. I've been Alan, and I've been here with Magellan. Thank you for joining me, Magellan. You can email us questions and comments at scapechats at gmail.com, spelled just like the show is. Scape chats with a Z at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Alan Ibrahim. A-L-L-E-N-I-B-R-A-H 
I am. I should shorten my Twitter name at some point. <laughs> I'm not on there right now because we haven't seen Star Wars yet. But we're going to see it very soon. Yeah. I'm excited. Magellan is on Twitter at Just a Fluke. That's J-U-S-T-A, and here's the important part, P-F-L-U-K-E. And that's where you can find us online if you want to just be yeah. like, hey, you, you, don't call us scuppies. That's vaguely racist. <laughs> and you can read Magellan's really rad webcomic. She hasn't updated in a while, and I miss it. I'll get back to it. Really? Yeah. I, yeah. I'm excited. Sure. It's uh, it's called The Platonic Solids, and you can find every single issue of it at theplatonicsolidscomic.tumblr.com. This has been Skate Chats, somewhere in the universe. Whoosh. <laughs>